another week, another week in HBAR, Hashgraph, Hedera, and all that good stuff. We're talking about bubbles, breadcrumbs, and billions today. Um, I'm back. I'm back in the swing of it. Um, if folks have been keeping up with me on Twitter, um, I had a cold for a little bit there. I also took last week off of the news because I had family stuff for Easter and all that good stuff. I'm back. And there's a lot going on. I wanted to have the kind of mega news thread posted yesterday, but it was so crazy. I was having some conversations with people. I was reading some of the news um, and I was popping onto the subreddit and there was kind of like even more things that have kind of transpired. So it's so funny. I'll get the mega news thread together for the week. And usually there's more things to add. It feels like sometimes leading right up to the show. And then sometimes <clears throat> I'll finish the show. I think this actually happened to me the last the last episode um, that I did, seven episode 71, that was two weeks ago. Um, I finished the show. And I think during the show, one of the stories we're going to talk about today was published. It's so it, things are kind of happening really quickly. Uh, but it feels good. Um, and I mean, last time I was uh, talking with you guys in my office here, I was looking out the window and there was snow. There was probably at least three feet of snow, four feet of snow in some cases here in uh, here in Canada. Now, there's no snow. It's sunny. I was walking around in a t-shirt. Things are changing. Um, I can sense it in the people. I can sense it in myself and I can sense it when I look outside my window. It's a new, you know, it's, it's just new vibes. It's fresh vibes. But also, um, you know, I think that there's new light being shed on certain areas of the ecosystem. Um, we're talking about bubbles and stuff. Um, some interesting conversations this week for me. Um, and also... Um, interesting conversations in the community, um, really culminating in some, uh, you know, really fascinating article from community member um, Parabolic H Bar. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all that good stuff. Um, but we're live on Twitter Spaces with another week in Hashgraph to unpack. Let's take a quick look <clears throat> at what we have going on. So this week. Bubbles, breadcrumbs, and billions. Um, we're gonna talk. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that that uh, that article. We're gonna talk about some hash pack news. We're gonna talk about some NFT NYC news. We actually have someone listening, um, Angry Penguins, who's in New York right now. Who I'm gonna have come up a bit later in the show to chat a little bit about what exactly is going on over there. We're gonna have them live on the scene. Um, we're talking about IBM stuff, community nodes, Dovu, Microsoft, MetaMask, Governing Council meeting minutes, coupons, Fido Alliance. We're going to talk about um, some a, a little AI story that's interesting, but kind of like whatever. We'll talk about it. I mean, at this point, it's going to be hard to find a Twitter spaces where someone isn't talking about AI at some point, to be honest, guys. So... 
get used to it. We're going to talk about hardware wallets. I think that Ledger is being given a run for their money. I'll, I'll tell you that. Saucer swap um, and some other cool stuff. So got a lot to talk about. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can head over to itsbrandond.com slash hbar where you'll find the past episodes. Um, and so I wanted to just dive into it before we kind of start unpacking the news um, with this article that's on everyone's mind today. Uh, but first, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, artist, and creative agency owner at Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. It's April 16th, and we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 72. This is a weekly show that covers the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at four uh, at seven p.m. Eastern. Sorry, it's I missed a week. I'm already rusty. My God, seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Pacific on Sundays, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash eightsbar. If you're listening live, check out the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. I forgot to do that too. Like I'm losing it, guys. I'm absolutely losing it. I miss a week and look what happens. Did this work? Hold on. Did it work? Perfect. There we go. Beautiful. If you're listening live, check the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. Take a deeper dive into each story. And to everybody listening right now, take a moment to share the spaces to let your friends know you're listening. The more the merrier. You can click the little comment button at the bottom right of the spaces to ask a question or share something interesting that listeners might like to know. And I'll talk about it. Also a reminder to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community. Um, I think it's over 800 people now. It's awesome. I love seeing people post in there. It's a great resource. Um, And... I'll mention it a little bit later. It kind of comes into play a little bit later in the show, if I remember. Also, the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. And that's because of people like you. I mean, it's just so incredible to see everyone listening every week. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR donation. It helps me continually add value to the Hashgraph community and keeps the show ad free. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Brought to you by users or brought to you by viewers like you. That was a little rough, but I'll, I'll get the intro next week. I'm, this was a practice run after a week away. Um, yeah, bubbles. Um, so I've been having a lot of conversations with people in the uh, in the um, Hedera ecosystem. And there is a really interesting topic of conversation that I think has been happening for a long time. Um, and the best analogy I can give is this is right now we've got an organization, right? A technology startup unicorn, um, a technology marvel, Hedera, that is, that wants to be the hundred year organization. And they're in a market that thinks, minute to minute. So there's kind of a mismatch and there's been a bit of tension between the ways in which Hedera goes about things, some of their deficiencies as an organization, and then some of the ways that the growing community has learned maybe better approaches. And there's been some of that tension. And 
Um, there's a lot of ideas going around and I've had so many amazing conversations with so many people about this. And yesterday there was an article published by um, a community member that a lot of people love um, known as Sivo, AKA Parabolic H bar. He sent me a draft of it um, earlier that day. I thought it was really smart. The way that I thought of it was this article is to um, gold bugs and H bar maxis what the Mike Maloney secrets of money videos were to crypto DGENs. And I think that articles like this start an important conversation. I hope that Hedera and Swirlds and those folks, folks are receptive to it and kind of head into it head on. Um, but I brought up uh, King Solomon here just because what we're really talking about is cross-chain, tearing down silos, getting out of bubbles. The key criticism here is Hedera and H-Barbarians are kind of in a bubble and a lot of the, um, the, 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 the critical dApps like Saucer Swap, Hashpack, all these different types of things, um, th they're working so hard to bring outside liquidity in to bridge some of these um, conversations cross-chain and I mean you're doing a huge element of that did you get a chance to read this article and I'm curious to hear kind of your thoughts on it or just this general idea of Hedera maybe not hitting the mark on being a little more cross-chain getting outside of the HBAR bubble I'm really curious uh, no I didn't read the article I mean I don't I, I did not have time to read the article but I think I got a good synopsis <clears throat> probably from you and um yeah these spaces you do every sunday i don't I, ha I don't even remember the last time i was able to hop into one probably three months ago but but what you're doing with this consistent weekly drive towards um a recap and news and everything it's it's something that it nobody else at least in my opinion nobody else is doing from an organic level this is something that is a, is a very much so a passion aspect to you so anybody that's down there listening to right now right now if you haven't ever heard brandon's um podcast that he does every sunday at 7 p.m eastern time it is a hundred percent the most valuable quick weekly recap that you will ever get uh regarding hedera without the fluff without the nonsense without the bullshit um touch base on like you know cross chain aspects you know you mentioned is hedera not doing a good job i don't I, I don't think hedera is incentivized to spread anything besides utility within the network and the network growth so it comes down to the community and people building on the network i think a lot of what we see right now is a lot of people launching their own nft projects and kudos to everybody that has the balls or badges or whatever you may have to do it uh, it takes a it takes a massive amount of guts to be able to launch your own thing in this space, but coming at it from that agnostic standpoint and really trying to break down barriers, I think is is a much different animal. Um, and I think that that really is where a lot of the success lies. Because look, we we know from being in Hedera and the H bar ecosystem for years and years at this point in time how much utility is here, but. Um, even like DeFi aspects like saucer swap X, Y, and Z, it's like, it's hard for them to showcase the utility if nobody knows that that utility exists. Um, and then it, it has to be really organic just to open those conversations up with people across ecosystems and chains. And the only way to do that, I think is 
trying to be as agnostic as possible, trying to allow people to speak and getting these people in the same conversation so that the communities down there listening understand, oh, shit, maybe there's some utility and value over here that I want to utilize. So I think that, that's probably rambling. No, that, that, hits, that really hits the nail on the head. And I mean, um, for, from this, and I just really appreciate the kind words. And I mean, Likewise to yourself, um, you know, if, if people don't follow along with King Solomon at all, I mean, most of you do, I'd be surprised if he needs any introduction, but with Genfinity and talking about organic and consistency and all those different types of things, I mean, you're doing, you're doing like huge scale stuff. It's just incredible. And, and it re- like what you're, what I'm doing more is speaking to the Hedera crowd, but what you're doing is really directly addressing a lot of the things highlighted in this article um, when you get a chance to read it, I encourage you to read it. But I mean, a, a couple key points from this article that I find um, really interesting is there's a big focus on like, of course, like attracting people from outside Hedera into Hedera. Of course, that's important. But I think there's also another element of the Hedera community and kind of the origins of it and the and the the germ that it kind of grew from is really like gold bugs, right? People that talk that are really big gold, silver investors, precious metals, um, and people that are really focused on Hedera from a technology standpoint. Like we arguably have one of the most energized, really sweet and like knowledgeable communities. But the problem is, is that I don't think there's maybe an appreciation for some of the other networks out there because that, you know, it comes from a standpoint of this is a hash graph and then there's everything else. And also, too, a lot of these, you know, gold and silver and precious metal enthusiasts, HBAR was appealing, Bitcoin is maybe appealing, but they're not really willing to venture out. They're not buying and selling Hedera NFTs. They're not participating in DeFi. And a lot of those we would consider the whales in the ecosystem. So it's kind of like this weird situation to, you know, we've seen all the upsides as to why this community is so great. But now that it's grown, we're realizing that, that kind of like the, the, the OGs, the people um, that really pull the weight in this community also kind of have to adapt and grow. And that includes Hedera, Swirls, the HBR Foundation, the Governing Council. But you're, you're also right, dude, where to play devil's advocate, if you invested in Hedera a couple of years ago, you were investing in an enterprise you enterprise um, organization focused on enterprise, right? There's an enterprise focused investment. If you're doing that now, you're still doing that 10 years from now. I will disagree with that just because like a hundred percent, like three or four years ago, like looking at Hedera in, Oh shit. I don't even remember the first time I did a Christian interview. It was probably, I think it was 20, was it 2021 or maybe it was 2020. Um, I think it's been amazing to see, and this is what it's going to take for people to take notice of Hedera because it's one of the defaults of what happens in the XRP community all the time is that it's like people are investing in fucking XRP because of Ripple, which is the totally wrong mindset to invest in any digital asset ever. Like you should be looking at these digital assets in a way where what is the network value and how many people are building on the network and what uh, UX and UI or user uh, experience aspects for, for, for not only devs, but for the community to come on and play in these ecosystems is massive. I mean, that's what Ethereum did. That's that's basically all that Ethereum did. I mean, since 2015, they pivoted and went directly towards 
the smart contracts and DAP development aspect. And they've done it for seven, eight years at this point in time. So they have an eight-year head start, essentially. But they also had a seven-year uh, portion of time where people were, were, were being murdered by fees. So the adoption aspects kind of go there. So if you look at Hedera right now, I think it's amazing to see that, like, not only do we have, like, Hashpack, which you have people from multiple ecosystems saying that Hashpack is one of the most seamless experiences, um, but multiple wallets, multiple exchanges, multiple DEXs. I think a lot of it comes down to <clears throat> ebbs and flows of the market as a whole. Like Bitcoin's running a little bit now. You see some shit coins running and people are like, well, why isn't Hedera 40X <laughs> out of a bear market? Um, and I think a lot of these people that are, you know, like you yourself, Brandon, doing these videos, I mean, uh, and these and these podcasts and everything are super valuable. And it just needs to be... Look, I don't want, you know, there's the association, there's the foundation. Those things are to promote and incentivize growth. Uh, but Hedera themselves, I mean, they're just going to watch this thing unfold. And if, if you were, you and I could both probably agree with this. If you looked at the, the growth from like developers and network builders in the past three years on Hedera and look at all the other networks out there, I'd be like, dude, this is, it's an amazing achievement for how much growth has occurred. Oh, 100%. And I think that, <clears throat> for you know from reading this article and, and i'll go into a few other points about it um but it, it well actually I can, I can highlight a couple things so some keep like just just for some more context for folks listening that maybe haven't had a chance to read the article this article again from from parabolic hbar addresses some of these pain points and deficiencies that are viewed in the ecosystem again through the lens of um the, the crypto community right it's it's a it's a younger audience it doesn't align completely with the existing kind of, uh, again, like OG Hedera investors. We're hopefully going to start to see things bridging a little more. And th those things are happening again because of some of the initiatives um, that are there. I think the ball is already rolling. We just want to see that happen more. And some of the points in this are, you know, there has been um, a decline in social engagement with Hedera. But I mean, again, there, there's so many different factors that you just can't control with the market but um you know definitely something to 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 look an eye at also um when when we look at uh in regards to token price and tps i think that we often talk about tps being the most important metric for um this this community and we're looking to it as the the indicator of growth the indicator of success but it's a little bit of a confirmation bias because the external crypto community not only isn't excited about it but they're confused and it doesn't seem like the metric is landing for the broader ecosystem of course it's really galvanizing the community it's checking the box i'm excited about it i understand why it's important but trying to broaden Hedera's reach and grab the interest of more people in, in the broader crypto ecosystem. Is, is TPS the way to go? Like from, again, from what I've been seeing is people don't really understand it or they just put it in the basket with Solana, no. you know? TPS is, I mean, I think what has been misrepresented is like real TPS. So like transactions per second, we all know that XRPL can do well. There was graphics for fifteen thousand, but it's like twenty five hundred. Whatever Joel or David Schwartz said a couple of days ago, 
but that's even still like it's like okay just because i can blend you know 40 eggs in in 10 minutes doesn't mean that i need to blend 40 when i uh, when i only need two to eat um i think real tps and what's really occurring on hedera with the consensus service is much more interesting which has been misrepresented which probably doesn't get enough traction as it should because <clears throat> all that shit's uh, you know, actually flowing through um, Hedera. I mean, it's the same question you could ask with Ethereum and TVL, so total value locks and, like, how much money is wrapped up in Ethereum. It's a bullshit metric because a lot of that money is in projects that failed, people ha don't have any liquidity anymore, X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that, like, the total assets tokenized and, like, moving everything, like, into these ecosystems is going to be a much more interesting um, metric. So, and that starts with, like, we saw a huge uptick in Hedera consensus service transactions and transactions per second up to the point that we're, we're now like obviously <clears throat> representing a billion transactions plus uh, monthly. Most of those probably flowing through consensus uh, service. And that was from a real world use case. So Atma.io and um, there are RFID aspects through Avery Dennison and all that shit. Um, billions of uh, products connected in the cloud. I mean, that, that to me, I think at some point, Brandon, I think for me, it's we're going to like, that's one thing. Wait until the next one goes live. And I'm glad that there were some hiccups over the past three or four months, because then hopefully we can move on and, and get to like, you know, you know, five to seven billion transactions per month. At some point, it becomes inexcusable for people to not pay attention. And hopefully the network is ready for that type of onslaught of like, this can actually facilitate it. There's so many services here. It's really unique to my individual needs. That's another thing a lot of people don't fucking talk about with Hedera is that it, if you are a developer or a project looking to launch, like Ethereum, like with smart contracts and touring complete aspects, it's like you're just basically taking the, the, the you're going full R word like in Tropic Thunder. It's like, why would I ever do that whenever maybe I just want to launch a token or just launch a, a product and use consensus or file sharing or whatever whatever it may be. There's so many products that you can utilize and there's so many resources and the community is so great over here. So, and I think that there's been a lot of growth recently. I think we're just beginning to see because there, there's trials and tribulations throughout all these networks. I'm really excited for, for HBAR and the HBAR ecosystem throughout this cycle, hopefully. Boop. Cut. Um, you're just listening to the episode now. I'm actually sitting here editing it for the podcast platforms now. There was a part right here where King Solomon and I were talking about <clears throat> the mirror nodes on Hedera <clears throat> and um, you know them being a potential bottleneck. After the show went live, um, some folks reached out to me um, and in this conversation, uh, I just basically gapped on some info. So um, there's only one public node on Hedera. And there's actually two really great and affordable solutions for mirror nodes on Hedera that I think people should know more about um, that could help with some of the things talked about in this article. One of those is <clears throat> HGraph.io, which is um, a mirror node provider from Patches at Turtle Moon Command Center. And also another one is um, Archaea, um, which is again from the folks at, I think it's Jesse at Hashport. It's his all, it's his thing as well. So really great community service. 
if you need mirror node stuff, check those two out. My conversation on this topic I've with King Solomon, I've just cut out of the episode just because it wasn't really accurate or relevant information. Um, and it, you know, it's just, I wanted to save you a little bit of time. So without further ado, back to the episode. This this is the this is the thing is there's so many different areas we have to grow. There's also the enterprise side, and I think to to wrap up my thoughts on this because I want to move over to a conversation around NFT NYC because I'm going to bring somebody up who's who's uh, there who's there. But um, I think my thoughts on this article from Parabolic HBar just on this topic in general is I want to look to the optimistic side of this is. I can I can agree and understand from from Hedera's standpoint and from Swirl's standpoint that at the beginning when they were booting up this public network, if there was even a whiff of them talking about or publicly speaking on or probably even bringing up in private meetings, DeFi, NFTs, um, those different types of things, PFP projects, those original governing council members, it probably would have been near impossible or much more difficult to onboard them. They probably had to change their pitch entirely to them. Well, I think they did. And they did that yeah. through, they sold it through, hey, we're going to open source the code. Yeah. And that is 100% what happened, which was really smart. Yeah. That was like the one really smart thing that it, that I think occurred where it was like, let's open source it. We still have the governing council X, Y, and Z through the enterprise aspect, but open sourcing that code opens up so many doors and i was like i was actually surprised when i saw that announcement i was like this is really smart and but but a lot of other people you know everybody else has done it um now it's just dependent upon you know people building with it and there's a lot of people building with it but it's like it's not just building it's not just being like okay i'm going to do this and just you know release nfts or release a coin project or use hbar it's like how can you participate in growing and expanding out the network, like the network itself, like the le- like like the hash graph, like grow out the mirror node aspects, grow out all the aspects that you're talking about, and that is the real question. That's what a lot of the Ethereum shit happened through incentivization, which is fucking crazy because it was all proof of work and now it's proof of stake, and it's like it's a much different animal when you deal in consensus and, and try to decentralize you know cons- the 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 consensus uh well we know obviously hedera is like proof of stake to an extent as well but a little bit different so yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to unwrap there dude but i think i think it is going to have to come down to further decentralization over time in a way that makes sense for the community and there's got to be somebody's going to come out with a business use case around furthering out decentralization within Padera. I mean, that's, that's a brilliant business use case. Case. If you nail that down from the NFT or the token or the coin purview and you make it make sense, I mean, who wouldn't fucking buy into that, you know, supporting a network and ecosystem. Um, we haven't seen that yet, but I think it's going to happen. So it, it just comes down to how early we still are. And I don't think we're that early, but we're still pretty fucking early. hundred percent. And I think that, um, you know, to wrap up my thoughts on this is those same people that were the early governing council members, right? And if you want to talk about incentive, those early people that that may have been scared off completely by um, topics such as, again, like NFTs, DeFi, all those different types of things, um, they're now have for years have been 
running this network. They own this network. They are Hedera. And so we, looking at this optimistically, we have seen Hedera start to share memes. We've seen them start to celebrate and champion more of this kind of quote unquote fun degen kind of stuff, NFTs, all these different types of things. Who is making these decisions to pivot the brand, the key messaging and the marketing? Because there has been over the last year or two, um, a very substantial um, pivot that you can notice even just scrolling through the Twitter feed. Who's making those decisions? Those same people that would have run the opposite direction uh, previously. So what what this shows to me is also the governing council themselves are maybe kind of being a little more receptive to what the community wants than we think. And I think that articles like this and keeping the conversation going and continually elevating it um, and expanding the minds of as we were talking about the precious metal guys and the H bar maxis is we're going to just continue this path. We're on the right path. We're, we're headed more in the direction we want to go. So I'm just happy to see initiatives like this and conversations like this. Dude, I just think, I think whoever's running the Hedera account from a social media standpoint probably deserves a fucking raise over the past two to three months. Cause some of those tweets, like literally <laughs> I was just like, wow, these are like awesome tweets. Like, and there was tons of engagement and then excitement around it and everything else. And some of the tweets were like super ballsy where it was like, these are some pretty brash tweets. Uh, but I, it, it, dude, and th- we never saw that before. Like that's, that just started what, like 10 weeks yeah. ago. I think like I've, I've seen your replies underneath it, which is like, this is making me feel real hot right now. There's <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, some random yeah. replies that you have like underneath the, those yeah. tweets. It's great. It's fun. Like the, the, it, the, there is an element of culture to this. They want to start appealing to millennials and younger people. And like they, they have to change. And I think that it's, again, it's not Hedera making these decisions. It's the governing council that I feel have changed. They've learned more about crypto. They've understood that if you really champion the culture and champion the community and and reflect them back at themselves, it's just going to create a flywheel, that network effect. Dude, you have to say, and I, I have to hop in two minutes, but real quick, I just wanted to say, I think a lot of this comes down to people like you doing these Twitter spaces, people like um, Fatboy and, and Hot Dog and those guys doing their Twitter spaces, and Elizabeth doing the Hello Future stuff, and brandon from the h bar bull doing the videos and the h bar foundation spaces and just everybody trying to like you know do some decent talks around what's actually going on within these networks and that's what's really fun and amazing for me is like nobody was ever like necessarily like told to do any of that shit like h bar does their own, like hedera does their own shit um you know the foundation is their own arm but like as far as like me personally like i was talking about hbar four fucking years ago and from the genfinity purview yeah we are happy to be supported by hedera and swirls but that wasn't like they they, they like there was no like reach out being like hey let's do this it was like it's like dude these really organic initiatives coming from communities putting together bigger events putting together these consistent interviews and i mean you want to know that is that's decentralization yeah yeah, I mean that's that's what that's what you should be doing. I mean, people that are listening to this, you know, these spaces shouldn't be thinking about how they're going to release 
you know, and I know Brandon, you have pixel rugs, and it's fucking amazing because I know you're an innovator, and I watch your videos, and I'm like, this is really cool to watch. But a lot of NFT projects, or some NFT projects that I see, are just like, here's a picture of a cat, you know, holding a purse, wearing a top hat, and it's like, okay, like, like that's fucking awesome. But um, I mean, it's just amazing to see all the builders and innovators, dude. Like, uh, and I do agree. Like, you people can make so many business models in this space. And try to really build out and just support networks or ecosystems. And if you start just doing it and just doing the work. So I've seen your spaces, dude. You had a space a month ago that had like 2,000 people in it. And I was like, shit. And Brandon's been doing this. You've been doing this forever. I mean, those that's an amazing accomplishment. Literally saying that you're doing it by yourself. You don't have a team. You've been doing this by yourself with these spaces. That's an amazing accomplishment. I really appreciate that. I mean, I started these back in October 2021 on Clubhouse before Twitter spaces even existed. Um, And I started them because I realized I was invested in an asset and an ecosystem that was going to get so big. And I just would do what I naturally do, which is kind of fall out of pace with all of the things that are happening and keeping up with all the news because life is busy. And that's one of the worst things you can do with um, (laughs) a major position in your portfolio. So I thought if I can do a show, it's going to force me to be accountable and keep up with the news because I don't want to sound like an idiot to, you know, thousands of people listening. So uh, that's that's why I did it. And and I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly it's kind of selfish, but I do I do these spaces um, for me because it, it forces me to continue learning, growing, connecting with people. And what I get out of it is I've met some of the best people. I mean, I've met you. We've had great conversations. I've learned so much. So. The, I, the best piece of advice I can give to people is like, don't be afraid to be a little selfish. It's like if it means that people get something cool out of it so you can kind of like get done what you need done and keep a flow going. It's like that's what this was for me. And it that's where the energy comes from. I get so much out of it. And I hope that, you know, other people get a bunch out of it, too. 100% bro uh, I know you have an interview yeah. here, bro, but uh, I'm happy to hop in. I have not been able to do this for like two or three months and. You always show such great ones. I'm sorry that you had to pivot for 25 minutes talking to me for this one, but just wanted to give you a shout out, man. There's not many people doing it like you're doing it. And um, yeah, I will definitely try to check out the interview. And by the way, I'm interviewing, uh, I'm interviewing you on Monday. All right. That's I right. Think, <laughs> with Genfinity, which is cool. That's right. Um, yeah. Tomorrow. Um, at some time yeah, on Genfinity. It's going to be really great. I'm talking about music with you that I'm really, I'm really excited about that. You talk about whatever you want, bro. Uh, you have a 30 or 40 minute time frame to talk about whatever you want to. And, uh, always excited to talk to you, man. And by the way, um, Brandon uh, and and through Pixel Rugs and everything else, like Brandon was the person with when we did uh, Hedera Ween back in October, we were able to create like five or like five to seven thousand Hedera wallets. Brandon was the dude that I talked to more than anybody that first event that we did um, last October, and he helped me facilitate a lot of shit for like two weeks straight. I was in conversations for hours with this guy for zero money. He was just like, "Yeah, hit me up." happy to support and he was one of the guys that we definitely depended upon and same thing with hash and times and all that other shit so dude i know you know 
I know where your heart's at. I think I feel like you know where mine is too. Um, it's always uh, awesome to talk, and looking forward to interviewing you tomorrow as well, bro. Thanks, man. I I I don't know if I can handle any more compliments. This, you're you're way too kind, and I mean, likewise to you, man. I mean the the support you give into the show. I mean you're a big reason the show has been growing. So that, that like what you're hearing right now, everybody, is what happens when you put in the time, you stay consistent, you make some friends, you got a dream, you bring people together. This is the energy we just got to keep going. This is the little engine that makes all these things happen. So Jesus Christ, dude, I got to leave now because Solomon is not making fucking dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just I, I, I just uh, I, I just like the work that you put in, dude. And, uh, you know, I like coming into your shows because you provide so much value. So um, right I am going to hop off. Guys. Okay. In a maze. I see you guys in here as well. So many people all the time. Um. Yeah, Brandon, have a good one, dude. Looking forward to uh, the discussion tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Later, bro. All right. So now we're going to talk about um, a really big story this week, uh, which is um, NFT, NYC. If people remember, last year was the first time that Hedera and the HBAR NFT community was in New York in person, there's a there's some people from the community there. It was really exciting. It was Hedera's first time there. Um, there was a delightful surprise of <clears throat> different NFTs in the ecosystem, including mine at Times Square on the billboards, and it was a really great feeling. Um, also, with conversations I had some folks on the show last year about this, and kind of talking about how some of the talks were short and some of the some of the actual event wasn't that great or worth it but they realized that the um, peripheral random organic meetups with um, people that they had met you know after the conference and stuff there was so much value there and everything and um, so again there was that kind of that feedback from last year was conference maybe not the best everybody being in the same city epic and so many different great hangouts angry penguins you're up here i know you're uh, rocking it over there with the community so i'm really curious to hear from you um what's it like what's been going on and uh what would be really interesting for everyone to know about what's happening at nft nyc no definitely i appreciate you having me up and that description is basically spot on uh i would say that you've seen that at the conference of if you've seen an age it was like you just seen a unicorn right uh and then you go to an event that they host and everybody's talking about hedera they know it and now it's real conversation about oh i've seen you oh i've talked to you i've heard you talk in a space and then now you're talking to them about actual stuff that you can do being that you've kind of already know what hedera is uh, and then at the conference, it was almost like you had to start from the ground up and, and really let them know exactly what it was. So just from that standpoint alone, um, those side meetings were very valuable, I would say, uh, for sure. Um, and you could definitely see that as well this year with uh, marketing. Um, last year, it was everywhere. And I think it was the hashtags that were uh, a big portion of that. Um, and then this year it was more geared to, hey, check this event out that we're doing outside of NFT NYC that you can RSVP to for free. And then so from there, I think that's the standpoint of get people together that 
are in this space that's you know talk to each other on spaces or just sit and listen and now they're in the room with each other not at a conference it's kind of a different whole uh, vibe culture if you will because uh, I think you get people relaxed uh, and you can kind of truly gauge uh, who somebody is at least you know that would be my point of view uh, you know on that topic alone yeah I think being with people like it just creates a different wavelength and that's a great analogy is like being on spaces with somebody and then like spending time with them probably like just accelerates the conversation so much and just creates a whole new level of energy. I'm really curious, like, um, are there any like cool moments or cool people that jump out at you from your, from your, uh, time at the conference so far? Oh, of course. And see, th th this is what I was speaking to the other day on the space. It's if you think you're early in Hedera, right? go to an NFT NYC and I can assure you you're we're a fraction of this space. So what you see out there is there's so much talent. Uh, but for me personally, you already know, I got to shout out our boy uh, in a maze. I got to meet him. Right. And his father. So again, you know, me and hash nugs were there um, in meeting that type of spot you already know, so you're not starting from ground zero, right? Like the foundation's there. So then it just clicks, you go, it's like almost as if this has been our friendship and we're just meeting up again and haven't seen each other in years type of deal. Um, so I, I definitely would say that because again, he was on stage speaking to where he came from as, you know, how NMA started and that backstory Right. You got it at the conference. OK, which is like we're just talking. It's not the same as these events for Hedera on the side. So, you know, everybody else is hearing that. And what is his story tied to? Where does it kind of end up at this point? Not that it's over, but where is it at? And that's Hedera. So it, that right there was a great thing, because I can assure you there was a lot of speakers uh, and I can definitely say not that many of their stories end up in Hedera. Uh, it, you know, it, it just is how it is. So that would be what I'd say. Um, and then personally, just me and, you know, me and my cousin Hashnugs uh, being in NFT NYC with our projects, uh, you know, on a personal level, uh, that that was definitely like now we see more and more as I've been we've been trying to go to these events. We've already done a few and. It's just adding on to it. So that'd be kind of it for the personal level. Okay, awesome. And then I'm going to move into the news here. And I just, I really appreciate you coming up and sharing some of this stuff. But the real reason I wanted to bring you up is because you're, you know, you're an NFT project. You're there with other Hedera NFT projects. You're there with your cousin. You're, you know, you're, you're, and, and like you said, when you talk about being early or our community is a little small or all these different types of things. If you were looking, if if there was another NFT project on Hedera, let's say, um, that was getting started up and they were asking you, would it be a good idea if we went to NFT NYC or some kind of conference like that? Um, what would what would you say? Like, it, do you think it's something that really brings a lot of value to um, like like a little Hedera NFT, I know you guys have grown a lot, but if there was like a, a little NFT project or 
um, some kind of startup or another type of project on Hedera that just wanted to kind of check this stuff out. Like, is it worth it? Do you have any tips for those folks? So I, I think it all depends on what that project would want to have done for them. Um, because again, if you're talking about, you know, having a booth at NFT NYC alone, let's just, you know, talk numbers, which is factual, you know, the smallest one is about 5,000. Uh, so from that aspect alone, uh, you know, you could run into uh, an issue of like your RIO on the back end of, was it worth it of going? Uh, I would say yes, just because of the standpoint that, like I said, it was Hedera for me that the penguin, so I wear my hat, they, it locked him in. They say, well, what is that? You know, what chain, whatever. Right. And then you go to Hedera and that's where the, the curiosity of them not knowing, right. That where is where I think you find the value because then you can lead them to what Hedera is doing on the side is which these side events, again, they, some people want to see that there's things happening outside of this event. Like it's okay to be there and all that. That's great. But what are you doing outside of it? Because like you said, getting all these people in the same city, that's a task in itself. So when you do have that, having it confined to a spot that, you know, you do have to pay to get in, right? It's not a free event. Uh, so from that aspect alone, you know, everybody's cognizant of the fact that, you know, you might not be able to. Okay, well, how else can we uh, spread the word? They actually put up to do that and then make it free for you. So I would just say yes, but it really depends on what you want to do um, because we are so early. Uh, it's not like people see the age and go, oh, yeah, I know I can put faith and value in that. Like I said, you're literally having to tell them, what is the H's? What do they stand for? Uh, and then that's kind of hard when you're starting from the ground up and then say, hey, well, put your trust and value and dollars into this. Um, the, the, you know, when, when you have that reliability and comfort of knowing a, a logo, that really helps. Uh, and it just isn't there, I would say. But I mean, people were asking when you see the H's, it's not something they see every day. So they ask about it. Um, but yeah, I would say it really depends on what you want to do. Right on. Okay. It's worth checking out. And I mean, from my days being, you know, rock and roll band and stuff like that and trying to get going in the music scene. Um, if you want people to come to your shows, you've got to go to other people's shows. Right. And as you're saying, it's not about maybe what the ROI is exactly. Sometimes it's just about showing up. And showing the broader communities in crypto what we want. We want people to show up for us and check us out. So I think that if we have folks like yourself um, taking it upon themselves to get out there and show up for other people, you know, in my analogy, go to other people's shows, learn about their stuff, show genuine interest, buy into their projects. It's, it's giving those people the gifts that we want to receive. And, and I think that that's huge. And it ties into what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with with uh, the, the, the article published by Parabolic HBAR is um, that's what this is about. So I think it's awesome. I, I've, I've loved seeing your updates from that and, and the selfies with everybody in the community. So I think it's great. Um, before I let you go and move on to the news, was there anything you wanted to uh, shout out or 
or uh, or plug or anything that you wanted uh, uh, folks to know? Uh, I will say just appreciate you having me up. And I, uh, from a standpoint of, you know, what you want to see in a community of what you guys are talking about, the the board members pivoting and seeing stuff from the community. I think that's what you want. And then, you know, your boy in a maze. You want to talk about what you can put your, your, your faith in? That is it. Putting boots to the ground because that's where some of this stuff gets built. And it's the days after that I think count. And I think you can attest to that as well. You've been doing this how long yet, you know, you still have to show up tomorrow or basically sometimes all of what you've done in, in previous kind of doesn't mean nothing, uh, which is as wild as and crazy as that to say, I think that's, that's where we are. Uh, and that's why you just know that you're going to be here. You could put your faith in that. Uh, and then, you know, Hedera is truly early. I will say that. Like, it really is. So I think we're all in a great position. And, uh, man, you keep killing it with your shows because, you know, you're relentless with it. I appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Well, you take care. I'm going to move on. And uh, really appreciate you, man. All right. So let's unpack and get into this. Um, now, um what is the most interesting next thing I want to talk about? I'm taking off the chit chat hat and now I'm going to put on the news hat here. 7 billion transactions. <clears throat> what does it mean? Um, it turns out that the broader crypto ecosystem doesn't really care or understand about this metric. And I think that um, when we look at uh, the article that we were talking about, um, at the beginning of the show, one key insight from that that I kind of wanted to to just highlight and kind of pull into the rest of the show here is um, a, a key pain point and criticism of the ecosystem that was highlighted in the article was a lack of public facing leader. Now, this is very interesting because for a really long time with the genesis of the public network, Dr. Lehman Baird was the public face of the network. You could liken him to, you know, Ethereum guy, Cardano guy, Hedera guy. There was like a person, right? There was a face. There was a mascot. There were NFT projects that were created about Lehman. It was a, there was a lore. There was a culture, right? <clears throat> then Lehman, that silly guy, he just started working on really important technical problems instead of um, being available for memes and goofs and gaffes. Um, and I think that, you know, when we go into the into the next story of, of kind of the next transaction milestone, it was Lehman who really was hyper-focused on, we'll call it like the North Star KPI being a key performance indicator. The one thing we were all looking to that would correlate with success of the network. At first, that was the amount of governing council members. That was what we looked to um, basically to understand what the growth of the network was and how successful it was going to be. It was made clear by many people, including um, Brett, the chair of the governing council, and also Shane, the CEO of the HBAR Foundation, that... Um, you can't fill the governing council too quickly. You don't want it to fill up too quickly because in many of these types of organizations, 
more slots are added, articles are updated, it's a bad situation. It's more important to focus on onboarding governing council members, building use cases. So that dynamic changed. Then we shifted to transactions. We went, okay, now let's look at transactions. And we looked to transactions to really, again, be the key performance indicator of the success of the network. And it turns out that it's really important to us Right. It turns out that it really excites us and galvanizes the community together, but it's confusing and not important to the broader crypto ecosystem. And you could argue that, um, you know, but you don't understand it's real transactions and real value going through. It's not fake like Solana, blah, blah, blah. In my opinion, you know, in branding and marketing is if you're in a position where you're or I would say more like it, maybe in debating and stuff like that. If you're in a position where you're explaining yourself, you're not in a good position. You should be presenting something to the audience that makes sense, right? You it, you should be presenting information that's easy to understand that makes sense. And right now, Hedera is presenting information to the broader crypto ecosystem that doesn't make sense, that isn't tangible and isn't actionable. They don't understand what to do with it. And also, Hashgraph is a very disruptive technology. So there's also that element to everything. And it's really interesting to see that unfold because it was very exciting when we got to 5 billion transactions. It was very exciting when in January we saw this early step function from tens of transactions to hundreds of transactions. That was very exciting. It did nothing to price. It did nothing to broader sentiment. Um, in the in the crypto ecosystem. So that has been a very interesting thing to watch. So when I see Hedera celebrating 7 billion transactions, we just celebrated 6 billion transactions. And in about two weeks, um, before probably on the last day of April, we'll be celebrating 8 billion transactions. <clears throat> and I think internally as a community, it is worth celebrating, but I don't know if it gives the impression that we need to be giving. I don't know if it's useful information to the broader crypto ecosystem. I don't know if Hedera is meeting the broader ecosystem where it's at. Again, that's one side. The other side is enterprise. That is what Hedera is focused on. Those are Hedera's core customers. But a lot of the infrastructure that those customers are using are built by the community. So I think that there's two things. And it's an analogy that I've used a lot in the past in this show many, many, many times over the years. Is there are two almost separate worlds. There's the Hedera Enterprise HBAR Foundation world. There is the community world. And not only are both of them starting to get closer together, which is really great because both worlds have different ideas of success, different goals and different approaches. Not only are they getting closer together, which is really great. Also, they're becoming more dependent on each other. Initially, the community world was more was very dependent on Hedera, but more and more, the Hedera world is becoming more and more dependent on the community. And I think that's really healthy because... <clears throat> the more dependent Hedera becomes, uh, or the, sorry, the more dependent Hedera is on 
this community world, the better. That means that we get closer to decentralization, we get further down the roadmap, and we start to see more growth and bridges built. And so when we, just to wrap my thoughts on this, we'll move on to the next story. We talk about um, the first key performance indicator being how many governing council members do we have? We found out that that might not be the best way to look at success for the network. Okay. We've been looking at TPS and transaction counts as now the new KPI, key performance indicator of success and growth of the network. And we're learning that although that does well for this community, it is a bit of a bubble. It may not be the most effective. I think that a new internal KPI that we can look to that's a little more abstract is the dependency that Hedera, Enterprise, the Governing Council, the Foundation, all those folks have on the community. The more dependent that they are on the community, the closer we get, I think, to where we want to be. So that's been a really interesting thing to watch. Um, <clears throat> and we'll go into our next story here. Um, Hashpack is teaming up with Upside Cooperative. Upside Cooperative is a really interesting <clears throat> Hedera use case. Um, and I do believe that they interface with other networks as well, but they do leverage the technology um, on Hedera. And Hashpack, of course, needs no introduction. Um, the wallet of the ecosystem, there are other wallets, but Hashpack is definitely making some waves. And these two have partnered. So Upside Co-op is a way for a Web3 project to leverage a cooperative to give a corporation the ability to own certain um, equity in a DAO or a community and then also allow that community to effectively purchase securities in that project in a in a in a um, what's the word a compliant manner or it's a way for a web 2 company to expand into Web3 again in a compliant way via cooperatives. And Hashpack is a great wallet. And their um, <clears throat> announcement is basically aiming to expand the Web3 technology reach to traditional brands and companies. This is, this is a great onboarding for companies to leverage these different ways of building communities, giving value to those communities, but not being scared of not being compliant with or or not being threatened legally or anything like that. <coughs> this is, you know, and this is, again, coming off the back of a white paper um, co-authored by KPMG and all this different type of stuff. So really, really groundbreaking stuff. Um, and that's basically what they want to do. They've got a user-friendly dashboard for stakeholders, control panel for brands, um, there's a, you know, a whole other different element of their technology stack as well. But the key thing here is, um, what are the specific use cases? Um, and this is what I'm really interested in. I understand the platform. I understand the goal of the platform and kind of how it works. And I'm really interested to see some case studies now. Who is using this platform? Who's building on it? What are they doing with it? And how have they structured their setup? I'm really interested to read that. So if anyone's interested in that stuff, um, I think a next great thing to keep an eye out for is for case studies from Upside Cooperative. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting. Our next story 
is um, involving IBM and some breadcrumbs. IBM is a governing council member. They have been for a very long time. They also have a product called IBM Blockchain um, that's going to be working with companies such as uh, the car company uh, Renault, um, IPWE, Farmer Connect, eProvidence, um, Golden State Foods, uh, the Home Depot, recognizable brands. The question is, and the breadcrumbs are, where does Hedera come into play? <clears throat> and there's some great conversations, especially on the community subreddit, talking about this. And there's some key insights that I'll quickly talk about with everybody. So <clears throat> I want to, you know, there's a lot to unpack with this use case. I encourage people to check it out. But essentially, IBM's blockchain product allows companies to leverage the power of DLT for their different use cases. It's a it's a tech stack um, that that makes um, these technologies more accessible. And are these technologies including Hedera? Let's dive into the conversation from the Reddit. So. The uh, the, per, the the person who posted this to the subreddit, um, perfectability underscore eleven ninety. I mean, they're they're a big user on the subreddit. Shout out to them. Um, they're sharing the link to this from the website, and basically, people are discussing the potential uses of Hedera um, and comparing it to the kind of uh, IBM blockchain product, um, and highlighting that this market is evolving so much, um, and. Really, the question comes up, is IBM using Hedera as a component of this stack? Does the IBM blockchain plug into, for example, HCS or some of these different products? Or how closely is it built onto Hedera? Um, some folks are saying, yes, it does. Other folks are citing a footnote that IBM blockchain uses Hyperledger Hyper Fabric, which is an open source project of the Linux Foundation. Um, they're also questioning, um, you know, how could it be integrated into IBM's blockchain product if it was? Um, and also, what integrations does Hedera have with Hyperledger Fabric? There is documentation on the Hedera website as to how um, the Hedera network can be integrated with Hyperledger. Um, and there are close ties between Hyperledger and Hedera through Dan O'Farron, who is a key figure in both projects. Um, and so really, I think what I'm seeing in the community now, there isn't a ton of clarity, but we do have these breadcrumbs. We know that IBM is a Hedera Governing Council member. We also know that big corporations right now with the state of this market is they're not going to put all their eggs in one basket. They're probably going to work with different technologies and different networks. And IBM blockchain it's not clear whether it's using um, Hedera directly or not. We still have to glean some more insights about that. It is clear that it's using Hyperledger Fabric, and it is clear that there are close ties between Hyperledger Fabric and Hedera, and that there are existing integrations with Hedera and Hyperledger Fabric. So there are plenty of breadcrumbs here. It is likely that IBM blockchain is leveraging Hedera in some capacity, but we need more information. This is a story that I think the community is going to be watching pretty closely. Um, but those are some insights from that. There's really not a whole lot more to speculate on it. 
<coughs> Excuse me. I still got a lingering cough after this cold. Um, and, you know, I think that, again, we have to remember that these governing council members have a very high conviction in Hedera. It's often pointed to that Google isn't very public with their um, commitments to Hedera. They don't really talk a lot about Hedera. They don't feature Hedera a lot. Also, their term on the governing council is set to expire um, relatively soon in the coming, I guess, maybe seven, eight months. I can't remember. They can renew. But there is a lot of anxiety about some of these folks on the governing council of like, are they building? Are they going to leave? Are they going to stay? Why aren't they talking about Hedera more, et cetera, et cetera? Well, we do know from Shane, CEO of the HBAR Foundation, that 80% of um, governing council members currently are building use cases. Some of them may take a long time to come out. We also know that Google is hosting or has hosted the most recent governing council meeting in person at their Google Cloud headquarters. So there is that conviction. Enterprise moves slow, but could IBM be starting to turn on this engine a little bit? Does it involve Hedera? <coughs> we'll have to find out. More breadcrumbs leading us to community nodes in the form of HIP 690. So HIP means Hedera Improvement Proposal, and Hedera Improvement Proposals are the ways in which people like myself, you know, with HIP 412 for um, uh, NFT metadata standards, I was a co-author on that. I'm a regular guy, and I can help contribute to the network, and also major pieces of infrastructure can be contributed. And it's the pathway, it's the, it's the as decentralized as we can get pathway that's similar to other networks that allows new upgrades and ideas to make their way onto the hash graph in a visible way. And 690 is um, a hip that outlines how to identify community nodes in, address, in the address book and related APIs. So <clears throat> the network where it stands right now doesn't have a way for applications and key infrastructure to differentiate between what is a community node and what is a governing council node. And so what this HIP does is it creates um, so, some new stuff. So, <clears throat> and I mean, just to be clear, this isn't a green light for community nodes. This doesn't mean like community nodes are a go. Um, what this means is it's just um, an, a simple addition to the network to allow applications to determine whether a, a node is a community node or not. Um, and the proposal called ownership type will be added to the node address object in the address book file with possible values, council zero and community one. Um, the node address probuff definition will have a new property ownership type the mirror node REST API will also expose this information. Backwards compatibility ensured by setting up the default ownership type value to council zero. Um, security implications, I mean malicious node operators attempting to alter files will result in an ISS and be ignored by the network. So basically, this is just a simple addition to the network that'll allow um, the network to know if a node is a community node or not. Um, it's backwards compatible. 
It's not indicative of, of whether we're going to see things added yet. But this is a step forward, and this is a very tangible step forward, a very visible step forward. It's the first big step that we've seen in a long time in regards to community nodes. Um, you should be excited about it. It's awesome. But the question remains, um, how soon can we expect the implementation of this proposal um, to end up in the network? That's what really this comes down to. I think that the speed at which this makes it into the network will be an indicator as to the speed that we'll see community nodes brought from the roadmap to the network. Watch this, see what unfolds. Um, these hips do not lie. Dovu, um, Dovu official, that's their Twitter name. We're not talking about the regular old Dovu folks, we're talking about the official Dovu. Um, they've done some really interesting things. Let's talk about it. So Dovu, if people don't know, they're an OG use case. They've been around literally forever in Hedera years. And they've been making moves. And they are a ESG refi use case. And they're growing quite substantially. And it's it's been great to watch. I've had their CTO, Matt, on the show in episodes past talking about a lot of things. I believe that episode is available on itsbrandond.com slash hbar if you want to go and listen to it. It's a really great one if you're interested in learning about the insides and out of Dovu. Um, quick note too, they just launched on, on Bitrex, that exchange. So Dove token is available there now. But <clears throat> here's the key points. Dovu is revolutionizing carbon credit verification with their digital monitoring, reporting, and verification standards. So DMRV. MRV is a process to ensure accurate accounting of greenhouse gas emissions and mitigation actions. Again, remember, this is the carbon offset space. Currently, it's really an opaque market. You don't know what's going on. There's a lot of tomfoolery shenanigans going on. And when you put it on a public ledger and you leverage a piece of infrastructure like the Guardian using marketplaces and, and, and dApps like Dovu, you then get a fully transparent, audible, immutable record and, and basically unlock this multi-trillion dollar market. It's exciting. But this is a big piece of that. Um, this will streamline the carbon credit verification process, making it more accessible for all types of projects. This is the DMRV stuff is really about accelerating the amount of carbon that can end up in these marketplaces. It combines powerful AI tools, AI tools with DMRV to simplify verification documentation, right? When you think about all of the different um, administrative tasks that have to happen, can those be automated by AI? It addresses the generic MRV gap ensuring trustworthiness and consistency of carbon credits. That's what this is all about. And it integrates MRV standards into Dovu's onboarding process for user-friendly experience. It basically means that it's not like these um, farms and other folks that are sequestering carbon and stuff have to reinvent the wheel on there. And we don't want that. We want low friction, easy onboarding. Um, so here's what they're saying, what's next? They want to inter integrate the generic MRV standard into their onboarding platform, again, for that seamless user-friendly experience. They want to provide interactive demos, step-by-step -step guides, and detailed documentation for users. They want to showcase successful real-world examples within the platform to help project owners learn best practices. <coughs> Dovu wants to continue developing 
generic MRV standards to foster greater transparency and encourage small scale projects, key there, right? To adopt the standard, reducing costs and timelines associated with conventional verification methods. We wanna give access to smaller projects. If you go on the marketplace on the Dovu platform, there's lots of like mom and pop farms and all these different types of things. So that's what this is about. It's a big piece. There's a, there's a huge uh, problem on the supply side, right? And we're gonna talk about this with our next story. The next story is in regards to a marketplace partner that Dovu is teaming up with called Undue Carbon. Undue Carbon has been awarded a contract provided by Microsoft with its first carbon removal via enhanced weathering. So Microsoft coming into the fold is very interesting. On a recent episode of the show, I had... Um, VP of Ecosystem from the HBAR Foundation, um, Rob, uh, and um, Rob Allen. And he brought up an example to illustrate the issue with the supply side. There isn't enough carbon offset credits in the world for Microsoft to do what they need to do. There's an issue in the supply side, there isn't enough supply for what these markets need. And now with these, with you know, the stuff we were talking about just previously with Dovu and this, we're starting to see the supply side come alive. On that episode too, Rob was talking about Tolem Earth, that's basically going to be a rethink of DeFi. Imagine being able to make thousands or millions of dollars buying and selling these assets the same way you would on Saucer Swap but saving the planet at the same time and establishing a whole new carbon offset market, refi market. These are very exciting um, prospects. And with with these updates, we're seeing the very beginnings of that. And I mean, it's, it's really nice to see the beginnings involving one of these kind of OG Hedera use cases like Dovu. So I think that's great. Shout out to Dovu. Um, awesome use case. Love the work that they're doing. There's been a ton of updates from them. And I think, you know, we'll continue seeing more. But again, Microsoft, right, is stepping into the fold. We keep seeing their name pop up. They're partnered with a lot of Hedera projects, right? They're helping out a lot of Hedera projects. They're on the peripheral. They remind me of, of MasterCard, right? We've had a recent story. He was just listening previously, but um, I had the CEO of FSCO on the show. They moved from MasterCard's Providence blockchain project, or sorry, product that was sunsetted. They moved to Hedera. And he mentioned that the relationship between Hedera and MasterCard is, is improving. Rob also mentioned that from the HBAR Foundation. So... Microsoft, MasterCard, um, why are they so, why are they popping up so much constantly? What could it mean? Dare I say, governing council members. I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, this week is called Breadcrumbs are back on the menu. There's a new menu item, guys. Is Microsoft and MasterCard, are they new governing council members? I mean, heck, I mean, we saw so we saw 
the Hedera Twitter account accidentally follows Sony. I talked about that, why that's so important. What is going on? I mean, we got enough breadcrumbs for a whole loaf. Just taking a sip of my coffee here. MetaMask and uh, a, a, a use case called Tomb. I'm going to call it Tomb. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. T-U-U-M. Tomb Technologies. Um, so <clears throat> the article is titled, A Sneak Peek at Tomb Tech's MetaMask Identity Snap and Hedera Dids. What does it mean? Tomb Tech is developing decentralized identity service using MetaMask Snaps, order MetaMask Snaps. Basically, they're these little kind of self-contained like apps or applets that can run inside of MetaMask and change the experience that people have with MetaMask and access other networks, use and leverage the Hedera network through a unique user experience within MetaMask. Really, really cool stuff. Their demo and overview of Snap's functionality and highlights in progress are in the article as well. You should check that out. Features include creating and receiving DIDs, right, decentralized identity, issuing and saving verifiable credentials, and generating verifiable presentations. And their next steps are adding Google Drive um, storage for verifiable credentials for syncing across devices, integrating with healthcare patient portal applications, and increasing access for mobile platforms. Their mission is to develop cell-phoned identities, blending online and physical realities. So this is really great. This is right in line with a lot of these use cases that we're talking about. Um, some of the other challenges in regards to bridging these gaps and bridging out to other networks involve MetaMask. And we've talked about potential snaps and um, leveraging the Hedera network you know, there was a um, Hello MetaMask initiative that, that, that I was a part of um, in the Hedera ecosystem with the purpose of wanting to make Hedera one of the suggested networks in MetaMask because there's a drop down in MetaMask where you can select the network you want to use, add Hedera to it, let people use Hedera in MetaMask without needing to manually type in information. So this, this in particular is one I think that's off people's radar a little bit, but it's so important because it's going to break open a whole new kind of um, area of use case, right? People leveraging the network with a Hedera use case inside MetaMask. It's very cool. <clears throat> and I'm curious to know if this is interfacing the Guardian at all. The Guardian is a technology stack that allows applications to leverage the Hedera network for these kind of refi use cases and different things like that. I don't know if this is specifically refi, but I know it's utilizing DIDs and VCs and different things. <clears throat> I don't know if it's leveraging it. I don't know if it needs the Guardian, but I'm just curious about that. That is what's on my mind. So governing council, all that good stuff. They had a meeting and we've got the meeting notes. Fun fact about the governing council um, meeting minutes is the documents are actually immutably tokenized on the Hedera network through the proven DB use case, the proven database use case. So fun fact is, you know, these meeting minutes can't be updated when they're published. They can't go back and change them. They're verified on the network via proven DB, um, which I thought was kind of cool. 
And I don't know if they're actually stored on the Hedera file service, but they may in fact be. So meeting minutes, what's going on? Well, uh, Coinman, the H Barbarian, shared a couple really interesting key insights from uh, the meeting minutes. And I'll talk through the main the main ones here. So some points of interest involve um, the uh, membership committee report. So uh, Simon from uh, Megaloo uh, discussed the remaining council vacancies in the terms of the current council members. Uh, he shared that recently, Council members have been discussing Hedera within their networks and educating prospective members about council membership, which has generated high quality candidates. And what is a high quality candidate for Hedera? They've identified that it is a candidate that is building on the network. So just reading in between the lines there a little bit. Also, um, if we look at the corporate corporate utilization committee report, um, Andrew from DLA Piper and DLA Piper has been one of the most highly um, in attendance uh, members of the governing council for these meetings. Andy shared that Corpcom has been experiencing strong attendance from both council members and invited parties in the industry. At its last themed meeting, Corpcom hosted two organizations that presented, sorry, that presented innovative solutions in the ESG and sustainability space. So. What that means is there are these people and organizations that aren't on the governing council member presenting and sharing use cases with the governing council privately. That's really cool. Um, and could that be some of these folks that we're talking about? This next one is a conversation involving Rich Woodman from Google. Rich update, and this is the legal and regulatory committee report. Rich updated the council that RegCom is seeking increased engagement and sophisticated discussions around regulatory issues and strategy. Recent discussions include the scope of RegCom's activities, which RegCom described in a proposed amendment to its charter. RegCom has also been discussing recent staking as a service enforcement actions and related topics. The council then went into executive session, during which the council discussed RegCom's purport, proposed amended charter, which included a name change from the Legal and Regulatory Committee to the Regulatory and Policy Committee. Interesting. The genesis of this change is RegCom's increased focus on proactive efforts to shape the global regulatory landscape. Okay. The genesis of this change is RegCom's increase, increased focus on proactive efforts to shape the global regulatory landscape. This is Hedera and their mission to be a part of the larger conversations in regards to the global regulatory landscape, giving this community and the crypto community a seat at the table. Big stuff. Um, another thing from the governing council meeting is <clears throat> and I think you know this is this is an important one. This is a really important one. Marketing committee proposal from Christian Hasker at Swirls Labs, aka Chasker, on Twitter. Christian discussed a proposal to reactivate the marketing committee. Now, when I read that, I was kind of shocked because, um, you know. 
there's no marketing committee. There hasn't been a marketing committee in the governing council since it was dissolved May last year. <clears throat> there hasn't been a marketing committee in the governing council for a year. Or sorry, dissolved May 2021. Sorry, two years. Now, this is what's really interesting. Is we talked at the top of the show about... Um, difficulties that Hedera has and the ecosystem has breaking out of the bubble and also, you know, expanding to other networks, getting attention, bringing people in. How can they effectively do that without a marketing committee? So again, Christian wants to reactivate the marketing committee. A newly revived marketing committee would provide oversight and advice to the council on marketing programs. Is this part of the issue, right? Is part of the problem that we're talking about, the is it due to the fact that the Hedera Governing Council doesn't have a marketing committee? <clears throat> Very well could be. Christian informed the council members that marketing committee is seeking representation from marketing teams within council member organizations several of which have already been confirmed. Hedera staff will call for nominations for marketing committee co-chairs and the council is expected to vote on whether it will revive the marketing committee at an upcoming council meeting. I think that they should not wait and they should get this thing back online. It sounds like they already have confirmed interest from um marketing representation from governing council member organizations, AKA Google, AKA DLA Piper, AKA Aberdeen, AKA Ubisoft, whatever, all those guys. So, and not those ones specifically, I'm giving you an example. Get it online, get it going. What are we waiting for? We haven't had a marketing committee for two years. Let's go. It'll probably solve some problems. What are we done? Coupons, uh, let's switch gears here. So coupons, where are going on with coupons? I talk about coupons a lot and I'm still talking about them. What's taking them so long and what's new? Let's find out. AI8112 coupons are fun and cool because they stop fraud in the coupon industry. When you use and spend coupons, they have to get sent down to Mexico in bags and counted by hand. There's all sorts of different fraud at the checkout. Retailers and brands have to keep all sorts of different money slushing around that they can't use to remit and pay people. And it's just a, it's a nightmare. And also the experience for users isn't that great. Well, good thing there's this new technology called Hedera Hashgraph that can help with this. Now, <coughs> excuse me, my goodness. What exactly is going on with coupons? I mean, it's been years um, we don't exactly know what's happening. We're expecting lots of transactions from this. We're expecting lots of excitement from this. And we haven't really seen that happen. It turns out that really what it's about is not the brand so much. They're really excited about this, offering their customers a better experience and using a truly um, standardized global coupon standard, which means that they don't have to do work with stores directly to give customer experiences. For example, if they want to change a coupon program, they don't have to work with those chains. 
those stores will be using the same standard that the brands are. So the brand can have fun and change all the settings about their campaigns and try out new things and all these different things. And the retailers don't have to do anything. They don't have to take on that hard work. But the problem is when it comes to new technology, retail and some of these other companies and industries are slow to move. So that's what we're waiting on. <clears throat> so what's new? Food Depot. The Food Depot is a well-known grocery store. Not to me, maybe because I'm in Canada. They're adopting the AI8112 stand. Now, it also is worth noting that it's not like nobody's using this, right? It is being trialed in various mom and pop stores. It's also being rolled out to major retailers, which are taking time to onboard. So it is working, it is happening, and it also is a it is an industry standard, which means that it will continue and will be adopted in the old standard 8110 will be sunsetted and no longer used. So it's it's unique. It's not like a situation of if that's going to happen. It's just when it's going to happen. But anyways, sorry. <clears throat> Food Depot, they're adopting the standard. They're enabling customers to access Procter & Gamble coupons. Procter & Gamble is one of the largest products, providers out there. If you look at maybe some of your shampoos, <clears throat> food products, whatever. They are massive. And when it comes to coupons, they are a beast. And so this grocery store is going to allow Procter & Gamble to leverage this power, give them a taste, hopefully start the ball rolling. <clears throat> the benefits, of course, heightened security, increased efficiency, expanded accessibility. Um, there's a lot of discussion around this, and I want to just quickly highlight a few key points in regards to discussion from the community on this news. People are speculating about the transactions that this is going to drive and when the Coupon Bureau use case is fully adopted, right? The 8112 standard is from the Coupon Bureau. <clears throat> actually, on the last episode of the show, you should go listen to it. It's brandond.com slash hbar. We actually had some, or sorry, .com slash hbar. We had <clears throat> some news from the Coupon Bureau that you should listen to if you're curious about this. Also in the community conversation, some people are mentioning three transactions um, for each coupon, issuance, clipping, and redemption. Um, and let me pull up a statistic from my notes from last week's episode because I have a exciting statistic. Um, <clears throat> or was it last episode? No, maybe it was an even earlier episode. I'm going to go back even earlier into my notes. I'm going back to episode 70 here. Um, here's a great statistic. I've got it pulled up here. The Coupon Bureau distributed 158 billion coupons last year. Each coupon may need up to three transactions. So again, we're not talking about necessarily 600 billion transactions. Maybe we are, I don't know. But those are some numbers. Also two questions remain about how transactions will be counted for digital coupons. So we don't exactly know how the business logic on the coupon bureau's end is gonna work. Are these transactions potentially gonna be bundled? Who knows, we'll have to find out. Those are the questions on top of the community's mind. That's what's new with coupons. Let's move on. FIDO Alliance. The FIDO Alliance is a really interesting story that's come out. <clears throat> the FIDO Alliance is an alliance that is charged with some new identity 
mm, some new identity standards um, and bringing together a lot of major, major corporate uh, corporations, um, pretty much all the major ones, including Apple, Google, Facebook, PayPal, Microsoft, MasterCard, Visa, Bank of America, etc. <clears throat> and these are kind of the new standards and these are the things that they want to have happen. And they've announced Hedera as a sponsor member of the Fido Alliance. So that's exciting, but there's a little more to this. There's a little more to this. Um, so there's a few mixed feelings about the potential impact of this partnership. I mean, it's not like folks are saying this is bad or this is good. Again, when we look at the crypto community, sometimes big companies teaming together to come up to do something freaks some people out. <clears throat> you can look at the governing council as something similar to that. We've seen some of the feedback on that. Um, <clears throat> but there are some really great things about this. Um, this can really strengthen Hedera's positioning in various industries because a lot of the people involved with the FIDO Alliance, such as Apple, Microsoft, Bank of America, Visa, those different folks, they are <clears throat> really the consumers of this. They need these things for their customers and their products and their networks. And they are obviously going to contribute to these standards. But Hedera is really uniquely positioned because they can provide some of the technology to make this stuff happen and potentially provide some new perspectives to look at this through, right? Um, the, the other thing to this is um, that what I wanted to wrap up this story on, because I mean, that's really the art, that's really the news here is Fido Alliance is announcing Hedera as a sponsored member. Great, big news, fantastic. But what, what more can we pull from this? <clears throat> and there's something really interesting here. If folks know about uh, Brett McDowell, Brett McDowell is currently at Hedera. He's the chair of the board and he basically is the representative of the governing council. He represents, you could say he represents Hedera basically. He's on the pulse. And I want to read you an excerpt from an article published by the FIDO Alliance in 2019. <clears throat> and I really want to emphasize here, right? We're talking about the FIDO Alliance. You heard the companies that I mentioned. Um, you heard what I was, you know, outlining what they're doing, all these different types of things. And I want to read this article from their blog in 2019, an excerpt. Quote, the title, of, sorry, the title of this article is With Progress Comes Change for FIDO Alliance in 2019. Quote, all of this growth has been led by members on our board of directors in conjunction with our founding executive director, Brett McDowell. The same Brett McDowell that's currently at the tippy tip top of Hedera. Over the past seven, and again, quote, over the past seven years, Brett has grown an excellent team to address the industry. With this growth comes change. As the Alliance enters this exciting next chapter, Brett McDowell is taking on added professional projects in the industry in addition to his role as FIDO Alliance Executive Director. Specifically, 
he will be leveraging his deep experience managing multi-stakeholder industry bodies to advise the Hedera Hashgraph Governing Council as its executive director. The Alliance is grateful for his ongoing service and for the work he's done to bring the organization to this point. So, in short, this is not just an announcement of Hedera being a sponsored member. There's, from what I just read, there's more to this. There's a bigger story that's been unfolding. Um, and Brett seems to be a bit of a legend. I'm not going to lie. Um, Parablock HBAR on Twitter. Um, again, we talked about his article at the top of the show. He's been really gangbusters in regards to breadcrumbs recently. <clears throat> he wanted to share something from another Hedera community member, Lemonade, in a Discord that was referencing certain patents from the Fido Alliance that contain references to Hashgraph. So there are patents that reference both Fido and Hashgraph, and I'll read a quick excerpt from one of these patents. The distributed database system 100 can be used for many purposes, such as, for example, storing attributes associated with various users in a distributed identity system. Uh, for example, such system can use the user's identity as the key and the list of attributes associated with the users as the value. In some instances, the identity can be a cryptographic public key and corresponding private key known to that user. So these are the core principles. Like Apple talked about this in their recent keynote. I think it was at the beginning of the year or maybe last year. I can't remember. But Apple announced that they were adopting these FIDO standards. Apple announced, Tim Cook said these words almost verbatim that they were going to be leveraging cryptographic public keys and private keys to eliminate the need for passwords for logging into their products. So this stuff is happening and it's big. And not only is Hedera in the middle of it, but there's so much more under the surface. So <clears throat> just wanted to highlight that big stuff. We're almost through it here, folks. A couple more stories, um, one involving AI. A quick mention, it's very cool. If folks don't know, um, Gitbook is a product that a lot of companies and, and prod projects leverage to organize documentation, information for developers to look up. Gitbook added the ability to integrate AI into these. So you can basically talk to libraries of documentation and Hedera has enabled this feature. So if you're a developer and you're looking to do things on the network, you can now effectively talk to and have a conversation with the Hedera documentation. Very cool, very neat. Hardware wallets and what is going on with Ledger. So I know that we're now at the time, if, if people have listened to previous episodes, I had um, the CTO of Hashpack on the show about two months ago. Um, I had Tyler on the show. We were talking about Ledger and <clears throat> it was outlined that by now, Ledger would have Hedera integrated. Of course, we can use Ledger with Hashpack for our HBAR only, and we, and we don't have full staking support yet. So we've been waiting. And I think that Ledger might be getting its lunch eaten. 
not only do we have a new Hedera specific hardware wallet coming to the ecosystem, Citadel wallet, that I also had as a guest on the show previously. Again, you can listen to that episode on uh, on my website. But we also have Descent wallet. I don't know if it's Decent wallet, Descent wallet. I'm just going to say Descent wallet. I might be incorrect. <clears throat> Let me know if I'm being uh, a dummy, a Descent dummy. So... What is this news? Well, what's happening with, with Descent Wallet is they are a leading blockchain hardware wallet in Korea, and they're integrating with the Hedera token service to enable developers, institutions, and retail users to interact with the network. So the HTS uh, has been seen, the Hedera token service has been has seen rapid growth focusing on the launch of DeFi through DEXs and NFT marketplaces. It's imperative that HTS acts assets, right? We're talking about not just HBAR, but also all these other coins like Sauce and Dovu and also NFTs. It's important that they're protected by hardware wallets, storing those things in a hardware wallet. Integrating the full suite of HTS services into Decent Wallet, Hedera users can now interact with the network with maximum security. So again, this wallet, unlike Ledger, will be able to process more types of transactions, maybe staking transactions, but also NFT transfer transactions, all those different types of things. This is a hardware wallet that you'll be able to use for your NFTs on Adara. They're the biggest wallet in Korea with 200,000 monthly active users um, across 220 countries. And the HBAR Foundation supports this. So they have support from the HBAR Foundation. So this is definitely a subsidized effort, but it needs to happen. Um, and that's the news on this. Ledger is falling behind when it comes to market share in the Hedera ecosystem specifically. It is a small market, but I think it's going to grow. Now, there are some other questions around this, um, but I mean, you know, we, we, we can dive into that. I think a key question to this, in my mind, is if staking transactions are enabled for um, these hardware wallets, does that mean we're going to see a drastic increase in TVL on the network? And if Ledger adds <clears throat> these ability to stake on the network, are we going to see that? Because I feel there's a lot of HBAR stored in hardware wallets that isn't able to be used for staking. And this is HBAR that's probably locked down. It might be a wallet that holds tens of millions of HBAR. And when staking is announced, I feel like, sorry, not staking is announced, but when support for staking is brought to Ledger and also these other hardware wallets, are we going to see a sharp increase in the amount of TVL on the network because all of a sudden these holders, these whales are going to be able to stake their HBAR? That's going to be interesting to watch. That's just something on my mind as I as I follow this story. Saucer Swap, $150 million total volume. Congrats, big achievement, amazing. I think that these are the types of metrics that makes sense to the broader crypto ecosystem. Now, 150 
dollars, uh, sorry, 150 million dollars total volume on a Dex when you compare it to, um, you know, Spooky Swap or Pancake Swap or Sushi Swap or whatever on other networks or Uniswap, <clears throat> it's very small. But it's something that people understand. And when you look at the growth and extrapolate on that, it potentially becomes appealing to people. So these are the kinds of stats that are exciting. Let's get this out there. Um, and also, <clears throat> last mention, last little item, not even really a story, but just worth mentioning, Hedera is sponsoring Consensus. So Consensus is a giant um, uh, conference happening April 26th to 28th in Austin, Texas, which is Hedera's backyard. Hedera's in Dallas. And that's it. Um, Hedera is sponsoring it. And I think that... Um, this makes certain things happen. We have Coindesk publishing an article um, talking about the fact that Hedera is sponsoring a consensus. And those types of things get attention. Those types of things get excitement. So I wanted to highlight it. That's something that people should share. These are the things that make these connections in the ecosystem happen. And, you know, I'm trying to see if we missed anything, but I think we got all these stories. I think we got through it. Did I miss anything from my notes? Um, let me see here. We talked about everything. I mean, one last thing I'll talk about is um, the HBAR Bowl, the other brand in, in the ecosystem that does incredible weekly videos that you should check out. He publishes them on Friday, I believe, or maybe Saturday. Check them out. There's a segment in those videos featuring Rob Allen from the HBAR Foundation called Shark Bites. Rob is also a shark photographer. And from this week's episode, there was a few insights that I got from that video that was interesting. Rob was talking about the NFT space and some different things like that, some things that he doesn't usually talk about. Um, Rob explained that there's two exciting Hedera use cases. Um, Any references, you know, the Coupon Bureau, of course, and he also references Karate Combat. He says these are great proof of concepts for big enterprises. I, I, have to, I have to agree with that. I think that these are examples we should champion. Rob also believes that IoT, right, Internet of Things, is an underdeveloped part of the network and mentions several use cases like Neuron and Drones. Neuron was a, it is a very fascinating use case in regards to managing air traffic tracking to avoid drones from crashing into each other and creating a whole new economy and allowing, you know, Amazon to deliver things by drone. That's a great use case. He also says micropayments are a valuable capability that have not been fully exploited yet. He also emphasizes that Hedera's core utility as a trust layer allows for value to flow like electricity, data, or water and enables the theoretical things that can be built on top of it. He's also convinced that Hedera is on the right track with its enterprise use cases. He's excited about the possibilities for consumer engagement and the second favorite use cases like rewards, points, coupons, and vouchers and those different types of things. So Rob is someone to listen to. I find him to be a lot more open than a lot of other folks at the foundation. And he has a payments background. So it's also very interesting because he does understand the value of DeFi, but he also bends those viewpoints in the direction of enterprise. So 
when we talk about um, changing our view on the broader crypto space, Rob does a really great job of taking things that are happening in the crypto space and recontextualizing them for things that can happen on Hedera. So it's very interesting stuff. And <clears throat> when we look at those types of things and we look at what we talked about, it all comes down to this. Another week behind us and another week ahead. And a huge shout out to everyone listening live on the Twitter spaces right now. And an extra shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you may find yourself. If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review on your play, on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. Um, my final thoughts. And, and real quick, I mean, huge thank you to King Solomon for uh, stopping by. Always a pleasure to talk with him. I mean, he's a very busy guy. Great to have a half hour of his time. Very kind words for the show. It's been a wild ride for the show. I mean, I, again, like I said, I started the show October 2021. I had about five listeners. Like, if you listen to what I'm doing right now, I would be doing this for five people listening the whole time. No recordings. There was no recordings of the show. It was on Clubhouse. Twitter spaces didn't exist. Um, and here we are. That's what consistency does. That's what this is about. It's about showing up, staying consistent. And, and, and like I said, I do this for me so I can keep up with the news, hold myself accountable. I'm an HBAR investor. I invest in other projects on the network. I love it. I'm a technology enthusiast. I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. Why not? This show forces me to stay up to date. And it just so happens I think people really enjoy it. I I had five people listening back in 2021. And now some shows get thousands of listeners. So it's just incredible to see the growth. I think it'll go even further. Um, and that's also kind of where we're at with the Hedera ecosystem and what we were talking about. I want to bring this back to the beginning of the show. Ecosystem pain points. Right, that article that Parabolic H Bar wrote. The pain points in the ecosystem are inefficient community outreach, inadequate tooling, slow retail market growth, suboptimal marketing efforts, lack of a public facing leader, limited community initiatives, misallocated funding, and insufficient supports for key decentralized applications. There are things that need to change, but I do think things are changing. And I think that it's so important to focus on the little things. I know we need to think big, but we also need to think small. It's a bear market and Hedera is not a projectile. Hedera is a engine powered aircraft. It's not a, and I'm referencing Paul Graham right now. People know who Paul Graham is. Shout out to you guys. Hedera isn't a projectile. What I mean by that is Hedera isn't something that we need to um, shoot off out into the air with a huge amount of momentum to see how far it can go. To me, it appears that Hedera is an aircraft that isn't fully built yet. It's still in beta. 
It's not running perfectly yet. Sometimes the engines go out and it's not flying in maybe the, the exact right direction. And there's a lot of other crappy airplanes out there that are up in the air right now. And we're in a bear market. And this is a very small ecosystem. And I'm not saying that Hedera is crappy. What I'm saying is that there's obviously a lot of room for, improve, for improvement. It's, it, it's in beta, for God's sakes. We're not, it's not even done yet. And the name of the game right now is literally just to stay alive. That's 95% of the game of the, of the of the focus right now is for Hedera to stay alive. And to reference Paul Graham again, the technology industry train leaves on regular intervals. Okay? And we and that was from an essay that Paul Graham wrote years and years and years and years ago. Look at what's happening right now. AI, DLTs, crypto. The technology train is about to leave the station. And with everybody freaking out and running around, Hedera may just find themselves on the technology train in a car all to themselves. Only if they stay alive because the air is thin and we don't know how long this bear market's going to last. And... The other thing too is I find that a lot of um, projects in the Hedera ecosystem make a really problematic mistake. And I think that <clears throat> Hedera does a good job of avoiding this mistake. Um, and I'll refer, people love to bring up Amazon and Jeff Bezos and stuff like that when they talk about Hedera. Jeff Bezos is really famous for something. <clears throat> when Amazon was in its really early days, I don't even think it was the turn of the millennium yet. I think it was still the 90s. Barnes & Noble started a online bookstore. And <clears throat> Barnes & Noble was a multi-billion dollar company and Amazon was still a very small startup. And Amazon, the company was very scared because they just started to see major competition, a big threat. And so what Jeff Bezos said to the company, to Amazon, he said, don't be scared of competition. Now is the time when we need to be terrified of our customers. Our customers are what is going to bring us success. And by focusing on the competition, we're going to lose customers. By focusing on our customers, we're going to keep them. And <clears throat> when I look at Hedera... I look at something that they're doing really well. Who is Hedera's customer? Enterprise, right? Hedera is not worried right now about their competition, aka Solana, aka these other networks, which you could argue is their competition. To me, Hedera seems terrified of their customer. They seem terrified of enterprise that is using their network. I like that. It also could explain why there's a lack of focus on some of the other things we've talked about in some of these pain points. 
Could there be too much focus on that? And also, could Hedera be missing another set of customers? Us, SaucerSwap, Hashpack, Dovu, um, community projects. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I, let me just do something real quick here. I mean, we got time. I mean, people are still listening. We don't. We have no more news. So, I mean, if you if you have to get to dinner or do something, <clears throat> the recording will be available on all major podcast platforms. But I can't just start rattling off use cases and not mention more people because it's really important. I want to see if I can find um, community projects. Saucer Swap, Hashport, Pangolin, Zeus Market, HeliSwap, Stator, Hashgraph Name, Web23, Galaxy, Headstarter, Dovu, EarthID, GoMint, HashAxis, Taskbar, TuneFM, Timeless. Um, Agmi Labs, Aeon, Cloud.Art, Creamy Lands, Dropper. I'm literally just reading the Hedera uh, use case website. Um, Hashpack, Blade, Ledger, Venly, Fireblocks. Um, what else is going on? Hashscan, Hgraph.io, Archaea, Dragonglass, Acor. Um, you know, all these other ones like Ledgerworks. Um, <clears throat> all these other ones. These are also Hedera's customers. Hedera needs to be terrified of these people. They're, they're, they, they have the right idea. They're taking that advice that's very sage wisdom from Jeff Bezos and probably other executives have said these things to survive these types of situations that Hedera finds themselves in. <clears throat> Enterprises, Hedera's customers. Hedera should not be concerned with other networks. Hedera should be concerned with their customers and focused on those customers. We're their customers too. These people that I just listed are their customers as well. <clears throat> and what do these customers need? They need what was talked about in the article from Parabolic HBAR. They need to have extra focus put on the pain points of insufficient community outreach, inadequate tooling, slow retail market growth, suboptimal marketing efforts, lack of a public-facing leader, limited community initiatives, misallocated funding, insufficient support for key decentralized applications. These are not things I'm pulling out of my ass. These are things that were in the article that I've been told directly from people in the ecosystem. And these are things told to me from Hedera's customers. So I don't think it's a situation where um, Hedera is doing the wrong thing. Hedera is just forgetting about a bunch of customers and they need to be a little more scared of the people that I just mentioned, right? That's what it is. Um, when I talk about saucer swap, saucer swap should be right alongside Avery Dennison. When I talk about Hashpack, Hashpack should be right up alongside Boeing. When I talk about Zeus Market, they should be right up alongside um, DLA Piper. And you know why? Here's why. When community nodes are added and hypothetically Hashpack, SaucerSwap, Stator, other use cases like this have a community node that the community can stake to, I think it's going to be so much HBAR that is moved from governing council nodes to community nodes it will make the governing council's heads spin. It's going to shock the market, I think, to see the brand power that folks, again, like, um, uh, like 
uh, let me see here. Um, Tune FM, Dovu, Heliswap, Pangolin, Saucer Swap, Hashport. It's going to shock people to see the brand power that those um, use cases have. And when use cases like those start a community node and you're looking in your wallet at the list of community nodes and how much HBAR is staked to each node, I'm pretty certain that you will see more HBAR staked to a community node that is a project with no more than 10 employees that can barely pay their rent versus a governing council node. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to shock the market. And I think that that's the reason why these community dApps are legitimate customers that Hedera needs to be terrified of in a bear market, the same way that they're terrified of enterprise. Um, and they need to address it. And I think that I agree with the points raised in the article. I think there are many ways to look at it. But I just think that if you want to look at solutions, right, if you want to look at getting this plane steered a little more in the right direction and keep it up in the air a little better through this bear market so it's still in the air when things are going well and it hasn't crashed into the side of the mountain like other things that we've seen, it's time to start merging these worlds together and start thinking about some of these enterprise customers in the same way that we think about some of these community projects. That's what I think. Thanks for tuning in to Hashgraph Enthusiast News and Rumors, episode 72. Breadcrumbs are back on the menu. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, and invite new friends. We just passed 800 members. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, feel free to send an hbar donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. There is a tweet pinned to the top of my profile on Twitter. <clears throat> where I'm talking about, um, you know, supporting the show, donating to the show. Um, I'll actually just quickly um, pin that to the top of the spaces here as well. Check it out. Anything helps. I mean, I do have people reaching out wanting to sponsor or different things like that. I don't, I don't like it. I want to give the kind of like brought to you by viewers like you approach, um, you know, I think it's cooler. So if you want to support the show, feel free. I appreciate everyone tuning in and I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, <clears throat> now, for everyone listening now, if you see somebody listening as you scroll down that you don't recognize, hit their PFP, send them a DM and make a connection. You already have something in common. You're sitting here and you've been listening to me for two hours. Uh, so you obviously, you know, you both of you have a lot of patience and are able to absorb a lot of information. Um, and you both are Hashgraph enthusiasts maybe. So reach out if you see someone you don't recognize. If you see someone you recognize that are listening um, and maybe you haven't reached out in a while, send them a DM. That's what I've been doing recently. I've been catching up with people. Stay in touch. You never know what somebody is doing that's new. 
You won't know if they've discovered something interesting. Stay in touch with people. Do that. And with that, hello future. Goodbye past. I'm going to leave the spaces open for a couple more moments. Connect everybody. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in.